Dr. Alan Leica here, and I'd like to welcome you to How to Live a Fantastic Life Show, where we will be discussing the important aspects of your life. We hope to inspire you to live the best life you can. Get out of your comfort zone and explore the awesome world around you. Break through your barriers. Take inspired action. Use the difficulties in your life to achieve the best version of you. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a very special guest today. His name is David Durazzi, and he was born in a small suburb community of Los Angeles, California, called Eagle Rock. Even though, uh, even though of that background, David has encountered many difficult things in his life, including a father, Tony Durazzi, who was a TV star who struggled from mental illness, as well as his sister, Kathy O'Dare, who was a TV star on the big TV hit pilot, Happy Days. In, 1990, in 1974, she even started the Brady Bunch, etc. And her life was plagued with mental illness. Now, David went on to be an award-winning salesperson for multiple Fortune 500 companies. But he attributes being a caretaker of both his dad and his sister to helping with that role. And that's what we're going to delve in today. Welcome, David. Thank you, Doctor. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, you grew up as a young man in the L.A. area, and, and you loved that stuff. Oh, I really did. I mean, it's everything happens in L.A. and Hollywood. And I was a big part of that growing up with a father that was had his own TV show for Six years, and my sister became a movie star at a young age of 11. She got her first break, and it was very, it was fun life. Well, that's great. Now, when did you decide to go into sales? Well, I decided, what's interesting, you know, with all this stuff that went on in my life, and I decided to go into sales when I was about 30 years old, but I did a lot of things. Like, ever since the age of nine, I was a super newspaper boy. And, you know, I, I went to school to become a dentist, went to UC Irvine and got my degree, got married, had a couple of kids. But it took me until I was 30 years old that I really realized that sales was my calling. I grew up watching my dad, who after his TV career got into sales and was a super salesman. He set records selling cars when he was doing part time acting after his TV show. And I realized that's my calling. And I've been, not, I've been at the top 2% of every company I've ever worked with since. And that's, that's how I got interested. And I haven't stopped at the age of 70. I'm still going strong. I made three times more money this past year than I've made in my entire life. Just utilizing what I know. That's fantastic. And it's, it's wonderful when you meet your calling in life and you know that calling. And you find that calling to be something you're very successful at. 
That is so true. I, I mean, I see all these people. I look back in high school. I remember the one time I was in the ninth grade, this seventh and eighth grade. I struggled because I was going through all this stuff with my dad being sick. And, and then in the ninth grade, I found sports. And I'll never forget this. One guy offered me a pill, a red back then. And he says, hey, Dave, this will make you feel good. And I think about that decision. I said, no, I'm not interested. And I kind of, you know, I laid off all that stuff. I saw a lot of my friends go the wrong direction, but I found sports and I was inspired. When my dad was going through all this mental stuff, the football team on my senior year voted me the most inspirational player on the team. And then I went to the reunion, my 50-year reunion, a while, maybe about six months ago. And everybody there says, I read your story. He says, I had no idea that was going on in your family at that time. So I, you know, I learned a lot from it. And I channeled my, I realized that I, I'm here for a reason. And I followed through on all that. And it's been very rewarding. So how were you able to manage to live a normal life with mentally ill people around you on a daily basis? Well, I've heard you say before in some of your interviews, you know, everybody in this world is in denial, but I jump right in. I mean, at the age of 14, well, at the age of seven, I saw my dad taken away in a straitjacket. And I figured, what's going on? He went away for six months. But at 14, my mom looked at me when I'm going through all this. He was in and out of hospitals. And she said, David, I need your help. I need you to help your dad get into a hospital to get well. And I go, Mom, what do you want me to do? She'd take him to the doctor. So I could never, re- I remember sitting in that chair looking at my dad. And my dad said, What should I do, David? Here I was 14. I said, Dad, we love you. I says, You got to get better. And from that day forward, I became a, I realized that my calling had become a caretaker of his, but I managed to get through all that because my mom was very, I trusted my mom because every time I talked to her, she said, you're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. And she was my motivator. And it's funny, as I got older in life and sold, I always call her when I made a big deal. She'd always say, where's your next one? You know, I mean, I real, I just love what I did and. I I managed through it, and it was tough. But now, mental there. illness is a buzzword for many many things. What did your father suffer from? He suffered from manic depressive bipolar. I mean, he would he would go into his, he was after six months in the hospital when I was seven years old. I never forget. He'd come home and he would sleep for twelve hours, fourteen hours a day. But when he was in his high cycle, we used to call it his high cycle. And my friends would come around. They thought he was the most fun dad in the universe. I mean, he'd stay up all night. He just, he, it's, it's tough. They're either giving everything away, spending all their money. I mean, one cycle, he actually took off and signed up to build a pool in our backyard. I'll never forget that. We didn't have the money for a pool, but I enjoyed it. I became a super swimmer. I, yeah, I, I want I want big awards as a swimmer in high school because of that. But you just never know. But we got through it. You know. Now was your uh, was Kathy O'Dare similarly affected? Kathy O'Dare, my sister, 
she started going to acting classes at three years old in Hollywood, California, with stars like Mark Hamill and other big people on big TV shows in that time. And my mom kept would manage to keep her away from all these things my dad was going through. What's interesting, because he'd have these cycles and stuff like that, she'd go to the interviews and my mom would manage to keep him away from anything to do with Hollywood. She got her first break when she was 11. And, uh, you know, uh, Richard Donner was her uh, director. He did Superman and all those big movies, Lethal Weapon. But he took a liking to her. And, but she managed she managed to keep her away from that. So even till when she got the big the big part well, out of 400 girls on Happy Days for that one part in the pilot. And my dad was never on set. So it made a big difference not having to have my dad there. Because my dad would stir things up, especially when you're manic, depressive, bipolar. I mean, they you don't know what direction they're going to go. They're like a, a firecracker. You know, they could go from low to high overnight. Yeah. And it, it, it's sad, but some of the most creative, talented people in the world are manic depressive. It's so true. I mean, you, you look at Adam Carter, that big movie star, and, and Jonathan Winters, who my dad was on the show, all in uh, Dean Martin show. That was one of his biggest things he wrote about having lunch with Dean Martin. And Jonathan Winters was on the show too, and he talked about, you know, his mental illness, and he was bipolar, manic depressive. And at that time, uh, they came out with lithium. And that seemed to be the best thing at that time. And I guess people are still using it. But I, even when I went through therapy through the years, I went to the therapist and she says, maybe you're borderline. That's why you're a great salesman, because I've never suffered. You know, thank God that I never suffered from mental illness, but I, I just enjoy life and I'm on the edge all the time and I don't stop. That's one of the things through the years that I may have struggled with is finding that balance because I'd work two and three jobs. I'd keep selling this, selling that, even when I had the job with the big corporate companies. So it's just finding the balance. That's the tough thing in life. What was it like growing up with a, a, a Hollywood starlet sister? And, and how were you able to help her when she struggled with mental illness? It was it was really neat growing up with the Hollywood star sister. And the way I was able to help her, when, when it started all happening when she was like 18, 19. She started falling into this trap after her, you know, her really great TV career. And she started, she went to Hawaii one time and she came back and we didn't know. What, when she went by herself, but she had a traumatic experience there with two gentlemen and she came back and she drove to San Francisco and I, my cousin found her and he put her in a mental hospital. She was diagnosed as uh, schizophrenic paranoia. And so the way I was able to help her when she was 18 and 19, uh, 19, I was able to help my mom put her in and out of these different apartments. She, she managed to get through school, but then in her later life, you know, she managed between 20 and 39. She actually had a child. But in her later life, when she hit 39 to her, you know, 52, when she passed, she was in and out of halfway homes. This is like assisted living where they keep people, you know, drugged up and things of that nature. And a lot of those stories are, 
in, you know, the book that I wrote. And she actually, I was able to talk with her. I guess I was able to engage with her, like talk to her every week. I'd go visit and have lunch with her every couple of weeks. And we'd talk about things. We'd laugh. She had a great sense of humor. And until the day she passed, I was always there for her to try to give us the most normal life she could. And a lot of times she would be zoned out, but I'd bring her back. I'd say, one of the experiences that I did, I said, Kathy, that's not real. You said you you have children by all these musicians, uh, Don Hanley, David Lee Roth. I said, you can't, you couldn't be married to these people and have three kids. And she looked at me and says, yeah, Dave, I think you might be right. I never had a church wedding with any of them. I said, I guess not. <laughs> so I was able to be there for her. I think the whole thing is you got to be there for them. And I was able to be there for my sister. I loved her. And, you know, we were always family. And who else can they turn to if they can't turn to their family and friends? I mean, I, you know, I felt special. And how were you there special. for your father? Pardon me? How were you there for your father? I was there for my father. I, one of the things I used to do with my dad, and you wonder, how do you engage with a, a father that's, you know, I had five nervous breakdowns, 37 shock treatments. I used to, he used to, when he didn't sleep in those days, I used to get up at three o'clock in the morning and go into his art studio behind our garage. He had his own art studio and he used to paint and draw. Well, I had, that's the only time I'd get to talk to my dad. So I'd get out my, and I'd paint with him. It was fun. And then he, we ended up, you know, he ended up gaining my trust since the age of 14. And I was able to, when he went through one of these issues, I'd sit down and talk to him and, you know, try to reason with them because he reasoned, you know, he always reasoned with me. So at those times he was, you know, he was out of control. And I kind of said, look, you got to balance yourself, dad. And, you know, many times I talked him into getting help and make sure he take his meds. Well, that's part of knowing what is real and what is not real. Is that how you made some of your biggest breakthroughs, both in your career and your family? Yes, that's a good point. Like it. it's That's what I did. I, I realized that everything I learned and listened to throughout my life, that you, you, you know, you're going to apply it somewhere. And it's, it's one thing I'll never forget. I was, uh, you know, when I was super civil, number one, Merck pharma, pharmaceutical, number one pharmaceutical company, they were a fortune 500. I was number one in the whole company. And I'll forget they were going to, they were thinking about making me a manager. I'll never forget the president of the company says, Dave, you know, why don't you stay and keep what you're doing? Because the more you know, the more power you're going to have. And that stronger you're going to be at whatever you do. And I go, plus you're going to make three times as much money. And it's interesting. Even to this day, like I said, this past year, I've done better than I ever have. And I realize that's true. I mean, there's so many learning is power. And I've, I've learned a lot. And I'm, I'm going to share it in my next book. Your next book? What's your next <laughs> book going to be on? The next book, and I've already started, is going to how to be at the top 2% in sales, whatever company you work for and managed to stay there. And uh, that's, I got a lot of things. I've started writing them down. Well, you've written books. You know, it's like you start writing down, I'm mapping it out, I'm outlining it. And I'm going to keep going. I got a lot to share. You know, you put 70 years and I'll never forget Og Medino when I used to listen to him. Do you remember Og Medino? Yes. The writer? 
Yeah, the world's greatest salesman. He said, you're not here that long. And at that time, the average age was 70. Well, I've already hit 70. So I know I want I've, I've learned a lot in all those years and I want to share it with the world and make their life better and have a fantastic life. Not to, you know, just like your book says. Yeah. Well, that, that's important. And, you know, it, it was, it, it's interesting how these things are there in our background. But it's for us to put the pieces together to forge ahead, despite the difficulties we have. I agree. You know, I used to be driving home from work thinking, I have these friends in life. They they have their families. They seem like the perfect family. One of my best friends. Everything was perfect in their life. And I used to say, why me? And all, all of a sudden, my sister, my dad. I had another brother who was 82. He just passed a couple of years ago. He was somewhat autistic, but he got by. And my other brother had a encephalitis. You know, he died at 39. He couldn't walk till he was three. But I, my mom used to call me the golden boy. And I, and I couldn't figure it out. I used to ask him, why me, Greg? I mean, why all this stuff with me? And then when everything they passed, it took me a while to realize why it, why? And, it, you know, why you're here, what your, you know, what your calling is. So. So I think that's a great point. That's good. Can you give our salespeople out there some tips on how to be great salespeople? Yeah, I think I definitely can, uh, doctor. I think, first of all, one of the biggest things I've done for the years is, is make your top 10 list. In other words, every year, I, I'm a goal person. You know, I grew up in the era of Zig Ziglar, Dennis Whateley, all those people, all those motivational people. And I think make your target. When I first started with Merck, they said, make your target 25. I mean, be realistic, like make your top 10 targets and look at them. And if every you get a no and some guy just person just says, no, I don't want to deal with you anymore. You replace it. You got to have your pipeline. And I felt that every time I'd hit three or four of those top 10 every year, I'd be on the top of the company. That's one of the things. And I think it's critical to network and keep, I save all my business cards. I mean, I'm talking nearly 35 years of all my business cards and you stay in touch one way or the other with all those people because you never know where they're going to be or where you're going to be. And I think that's a key factor. I, I think that's key. How do you deal with the no? Well, how do I deal with the no? That's a great question. I really don't. I, I, when I hear a no, it doesn't mean no. I'm sure you've heard that before. I mean, because until they say, I don't want to talk to you anymore, that's a no. You know, I'm done. Dave, I don't want to talk. You know, but that hasn't happened very often because if you talk to people, one of the things I learned in sales, too, one of the other tips is don't ever let when you're top 10 or, you know, your top targets, don't ever let two weeks go by without touching in them some way. Like if it's sending them some article on something, you know, just emailing them, just touch them some way because they're going to, all of a sudden you might find that little niche, you know, the old, of what they're really interested in. The old story was you go in their office, you look on the wall, they got a baseball or football player and all that. But there's more to it, you know. The last company, one of the companies I interviewed with, he said, don't talk about the stuff on my wall. Let's talk about what you can do for me. <laughs> oh. 
I'll never forget that. So for sure. So, okay. Now this show is called the how to live a fantastic life show, David, how do you live a fantastic life? How I live a fantastic life. I find things to do when I'm, I like to write. So I love that. I got into magic about 18 years ago and I'm a magician, a member magician at the Magic Castle Academy of Magical Arts in Hollywood. So I go there every Monday night and have a good time, do a little magic. I like golf, I love baseball, and I help people, you know, I help people in need when I can. I mean, even my sons, I've been blessed with four sons. I mean, my son ended up having a friend that, you know, he was addicted and he had helped put him away a few weeks back. So I, when I could be there and help people, I try to get involved as much as people will let me in their lives uh, and use my experience to help them from what I learned, trying to be a mentor for those people that need a mentor. And I, it's very fulfilling and I enjoy work is still working. I have people that I work with the younger, I love being with younger people and they, you know, they can share their thoughts and they, they respect you and listen to your wisdom. And it makes me feel good. Um, you know, I, I, I know I've done very well. I have my president of the company I currently represent. He says, said to Razzie, what do you do? He says, our company increased profits 20% last year. And it's a multi-million dollar company. He says, you were a big part of it. And I go, hey, I just go out there and love what I do. I, I love to sell and I'm successful at it and I give people what they want. And I have fun doing it. Excellent. How do you recommend others live a fantastic life? I, I recommend others have, live a fantastic life. Be aware of what happens every day. When you get up every morning, just be thankful that you're here. And just don't let the the day waste away. I, I'm an early bird. I get up early every day. I got friends that are in my age group in their 70s. And they, they, they sleep in. They get up 11 or 12 o'clock. You know, you, you kind of wonder, like, even my father was sick. And you wonder... You used in the early morning, there's so many things you see that other people don't see. Kick off the day and, and, uh, just, you know, do what your passion is. That's the key to life to live a fantastic life. It took me till I was 30 years old and then I became the top of everything I was doing. I was working part time and putting out, helping people with telephone directories when they were around, when I had my corporate jobs and, I, I mean, go out and do what you love to do. I mean, I used to sell, my dad used to sell after his TV career, after his nervous breakdowns, he used to sell pens and pencils and whatever it is. And I realized and that was one of the first thing I sold on this site too. It's pens, pencils, calendars. Just And I realized, but it took me so long to realize, but 30 years old, it was, you know, nearly 30, 35 years. And I, it's fantastic. That's how I've lived my fantastic life. I got a great family, stay in touch with the family, find that balance. Don't get too spread out because, you know, in the last 10 years, I've kind of zeroed in on one particular thing. I was able to write these books, which has been very fulfilling. And I was able to, you know, I still am living a fantastic life. I exercise five days a week. Uh, so it, it's, you got to be physically straight and mentally straight. And I think as long as you do that, realize what you've learned and what you could share you can live a fantastic life. Great. Now, 
How can people get in touch with you and find out more about your books? Okay, I have a website, www.davidfboorazi. I'm on Instagram. I'm on uh, Twitter. And I do blogs every, every so often on my website. And eventually I'll do speaking. But right now I'm going to get this next book off the ground. But it's a great book. They'll love it. Uh, and, uh, it's a great story and it took me three years, it took me six years for the first one. And I really got to learn my, about my sister and my dad more than I ever knew when I was growing up. And, you know, I learned things that my dad did that I didn't even know what, what was going on when it happened. One of the things, he, one of the things that happened with my dad, all of a sudden when I was 16, he called up one day, I was at home. He said, David, bring me some dry shoes and my dry suit in the garage. And I go, what? So anyway, I, I did. I went to the real estate office where he was working part-time and I brought the suit. And I never asked any questions because it wasn't a thing you asked your dad. What what happened? So I, I read in his journals and notes, all of a sudden he says he was going over to a lady's house to paint her and he fell into a swimming pool because he was, te- you know, he met her in an art class, but he loved to paint and draw. And I would have never known what happened. I mean, it's it's amazing what you find out. And when you find out a family has journals and things that they were willing to share with. He wanted to write a book, and I wrote his book. So what a more fulfilling thing. I saw him write it when I was a kid. Excellent, David. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you, Doctor. It's been enjoyable. I really appreciate being here and look forward to hearing more of your 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 radio shows and podcasts and interviews. You're a very, very interesting and motivational person. And I definitely will follow you. Thank you so much. And ladies and gentlemen, check out my website, Dr. Alan Lyka, D-R-A-L-L-E-N Lyka, L-Y-C-K-A dot com. And there you can get a golden pearl each and every week. Thank you very much and have a fantastic day. You've been listening to How to Live a Fantastic Life. Be sure and pick up a copy of Dr. Laika's book, The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life, on Amazon.com. And you'll want to subscribe right here on this page so you don't miss a single episode. Have a fantastic day. 